Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. It's Liz here, and I am joined by Chris, Brian, and Daniel today. So it feels like it has been a while since we put out an episode, um, and that would make it seem like it's not been a busy offseason but it has like there's been a lot that's been going on we have a couple of things kind of planned for the rest of summer before the season starts um talking about you know just kind of the free agency we'll have a wrap up of that eventually but today um as most of you probably know from our twitter we're doing something a little bit different we are doing our ask jet centric episodes so i feel like we are obviously a very opinionated group of people we love to just kind of talk about things that aren't always necessarily in-game analysis like we'll talk about like the bigger picture sometimes smaller picture a little bit of everything and we wanted to kind of have an episode dedicated just to that because you know if you know us you know we sometimes can go off the rails and like talk about all these little things um when they don't actually matter and it's you know you're just trying to talk about one game and all of a sudden you're going back to six years ago anyways so we gave (laughs) you guys the opportunity um to sort of bring up some points that you wanted to talk to us about like it's kind of like a fine line we want to walk because like we're literally just like a bunch of fans too just like you but it's like we are kind of the outlet voice of the opinionated fans so we wanted to give you that opportunity to um sort of have some talking points brought into the conversation so thank you to everyone that contributed i'm going to be kind of going through um the hashtag here on my phone with my new patrick line phone case <laughs> and awesome. um we'll be just kind of i'll throw be tossing it around it's gonna be pretty informal like i'll throw it to chris but maybe daniel has something to add and then you know whatever as we always do so it'll be that was a, that was a bad example you mean you'll toss it to daniel or brian and chris will interrupt <laughs> <laughs> and who knows it might take us the whole episode just to get through one point because that's kind of how we do it that's how we do it yeah (laughs) it'll be good no it's good and it's it'll be nice to sit down and talk for the first time in quite some time I think the last episode we did was about like Seattle I think and the Brendan Dillon trade had just happened I feel like so much has happened since then so we'll get into all of that so uh, I don't know if anyone has anything they want to add before we get started because I didn't even think of which question I wanted to ask first there are a couple of good ones um if anyone has anything they want to add go ahead but i'll just quickly um... i don't i didn't scroll through the hashtags but i i guess the first thing that comes to my mind is hashtag summer chevy um i don't i won't (laughs) say much about that because i hope that's mostly what we end up talking about um i guess i did want to quantify um adam wozni has been like going to war for it on twitter the fact that the jets are getting a lot of praise for this um you have to be vaxxed and masked and all the stuff, but it's literally the law. So I think we need to just kind of dial that back about how fantastic it is. What it is fantastic though, however, is that we're setting an example as a team and uh, for the, for the league and for North American sports. Yeah. And that's what we should be celebrating. Not that the jets did that. They didn't have a choice, um, yeah. but to be a leader um, in that they made headlines America, right? and yeah. they should and we should be that's what we should be celebrating yeah. is that we're doing it right in this province not that the jets got something right because they also got paying their staff right during the pandemic last year after <sighs> after a bunch of people were outraged online <laughs> what was that tweet they're gonna they're gonna honor those staff by naming garbage cans after them or something uh, like that there's some yeah. i can't remember who put that out there but that was a funny one you, you, <laughs> you know as much as we rag on the jets uh i would say about 90 percent of the stuff we suggest on this podcast they end up doing the problem is is the timing isn't always aligned <laughs> with the the way we think they should do it and sometimes that's the problem but uh i mean good for them whatever but uh 
yeah, it should, we should be proud that this province, despite, and we don't talk politics on here, but despite our provincial government, that we're doing something right, really cool as a franchise that way. Yeah. And uh, great, but it's not like uh, Mark Chipman made the decision. No, yeah, no, just follow. Like the, the quote tweets of that tweet, it's like you find like a San Antonio Spurs fan who's like, okay, you guys next kind of thing. Like it's every all the pro sports That's right. across the country are like, this is what we should all be doing. And it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of cool to, you know, be making headlines in a good way for once, you know, it's like, yeah. let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give it that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And like, yeah, I went to um, the bomber game yesterday. Uh, that was my first pro sporting event since COVID started. And it's just, you know, like the environment, it's so awesome. And then like, there's something kind of like nice about knowing that everyone there made the deliberate decision to not once, but twice go get a shot to help protect everyone else around them. It's like, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so anyways, exactly. I found a nice little one to get us started off. Um, and we're just going to jump right into it. So Chester asked, where would you rank the Jets D? Top 10 or bottom half? Well, <laughs> top 10, bottom half, like where would you? So maybe I'll throw that to Daniel to start. So just a refresher, extended. Um, well, we still have DeMello and Morrissey. We got new contracts for Pionk and Stanley. And then we traded for Dylan and Schmidt. So those are probably going to be our starting six, I would assume, uh, in the yeah. fall. Where would you rank that among the league? I'd say it's got to be in the top half. Uh, yeah, I'd say top half. I mean, definitely way better than it was like last year was for sure like bottom five or some crazy thing like that with all those guys there rolling in. So it's definitely a massive improvement. Um, obviously, Pionk is it a new addition, but we're glad we got him locked up there for a few years. And then the additions of Schmidt and uh, uh, Brendan Dillon is is huge like that's a the Jets have never really done anything like to that magnitude that I can think of acquiring two you know very good defensemen in like trades like that or two very good players in trades really where they didn't have to give up you know they gave up a little bit but they didn't sell the farm or mortgage too much for them either right and a guy like Schmidt is you know he seems like kind of a risk he had the down year last year in uh, Vancouver and he's still got you know a bit of term left so you kind of you know, you hope it was just a one-off and that playing in a different system and different situation and all that can help him out because he was pretty effective, if I remember, in Vegas and that before. So that, that, that was something I was kind of excited for to see. Just just seeing them actually try something, I right. think, just bumps it up. Bumps it up another five spots on the leaderboard or on the ranking of that, right? So that's that's a big deal. Like we've talked about that where it's like there have been a lot of years where it's like we talk about the mediocrity a lot, how it's like, there there's no massive push where you sell everything because this is the year to go or like the complete crackdown rebuild start from scratch sort of thing like this is the first time I feel like I've really seen them like this is very very evident that this is the direction they're going in and like while some people may have thought maybe it would have been better to go the opposite way and start the rebuild like whatever depending on who you are depending on what your thoughts are I think we can all come to the consensus that it's nice to see them really making a push one way or the other you know I love it because you're not going to get the same opportunity after Hellebuck's gone if he leaves, right? You have three years left on his deal, right? So that's your kind of window right there. So be as good as you can in those three years. That's just it. Um, if I can add on to the D thing, um, I'd say they got to be top half. So with the potential to be top 10, I think, 
And that's going to be to me, dependent on Nate Schmidt. I'm pretty confident in, um, in the abilities of Neil Pionk and Brennan Dillon. I think that's going to be a really nice pairing if they put it together. Um, and the Morrissey Schmidt potential is really interesting to me. Um, obviously Morrissey struggled for the last two years. Um, unless he's played with DeMello. Um, I think there's a chance. Yeah. Um, I think there, (laughs) I think there's a chance if you put him with Schmidt, he's the right type of player to put with Morrissey. Um, really good in transition and really good offensively when Schmidt's at his best. So if you get the best out of Schmidt, I think you have a legitimate top pairing guy there. There's the potential it goes the other way on you, but there is the high end potential as well. And if he can drag Josh Morrissey up to, you know, even not even quite what he was back, you know, a couple of years back with Truba, if you can get him to even close to that, um, that's just huge. Then you have four legitimate top four defensemen at that point and a third pairing that features a great second pairing defenseman in Dylan DeMello. So no matter who you put on the left side there, that's going to be good. Um, and for call-ups, well, Hanel and Sandberg are both going to be options. So I don't think you're going to be struggling at D um, if you do things right for most of the season. Um, a lot of it rests on Schmidt to me as far as like their ceiling is concerned. Um, but I think, I think they're definitely a, a top half defense this year. Yeah. I actually, I, you mentioned something that made me think of one of the other ones that I saw and I'll maybe throw that one to Chris to kind of continue on the point. So um, Dave Smith um, says Logan Stanley. Um, now that the jets have committed to him for two years, how badly will this affect Hanel and Sandberg? Will these guys actually play a game? Is drafting a guy waiting six years to have him play in the bottom six a success? So we've talked a lot about Logan Stanley on this podcast. And um, I know I, for one, was really worried. Um, it's not that I don't like trust Chevy or anything, but I wasn't sure, like, you know, they've really gone all in on the Logan Stanley cap. And I was worried that he was going to make too much money. And like, I don't like no one, I don't hate Logan Stanley as a bottom pairing defenseman. That was never the question. It was more just kind of the, the alternative and sort of weighing that out, but sort of, how do you feel about that question? What are your thoughts on those two coming up the pipe there? Well, this is the whole thing. These, it's funny that you had asked me this question because these are the things where I have the issues. Um, First of all, I want to go back to the first question, which is um, I think this, the acquiring two above average type defenseman was a was a way better play than some of the stuff we're talking about at the trade deadline last year of selling heavy for like a number one guy and stuff like that I think it's more foolproof to have five or six really good defensemen with our coaching and our defensive play to just always have good defensemen out there because your bottom pairing could look really bad if you went all out to get a a top top type guy Uh, we've seen that what it looks like when we've got a really bad bottom three or four defensemen um, as far as the Stanley thing, I'm as big of a Logan Stanley hater as you'll find. That mm-hmm. said, I'm perfectly fine with him playing on that side, bottom pairing with DeMello. That's fantastic. My issue, though, becomes do, do Sandberg and DeMello, are Sandberg and Hanela end up with the moose all year, or do they end up in a press box? 
And that's my problem with it. If they play 80 or however many of the games the Moose play now, 65 games or whatever it is, they play 60 games with the Moose and a handful here and there with the Jets or, you know, to replace somebody when they're hurt, that's fantastic. But they need to play. And I can't sacrifice – I can't sacrifice Vin, uh, Billy Hanel's career for Logan Stanley's. And that's that's the issue. And now because there's five guys ahead of Hanela probably not he's probably still the second best defenseman <laughs> in our organization right uh second or third best defenseman in our organization potentially i i can't do it and that's going to be the problem and if that happens again that's where you get the outrage because you can't you know we did it with niku you can again we talk about him a lot on this podcast and you can go what say whatever you want about sammy niku what he could be we don't know because of what happened and, and we can't let that happen with another first round draft pick and uh, a guy that seems to, the only thing holding him back is one person and a system. And I just, that's where it's going to be a problem for me is if they just sit those two guys in a press box. Absolutely. Um... I think, I think it'd be cool if like, I, I don't want to see him in the press box, obviously, but I think a chance on the third pair with Dylan DeMello would be absolutely perfect as a that's, development spot for Hainel. That's ideal. Yeah. The only yeah, the well, only thing is I'd love <laughs> to see him on the power play and there's just probably no room with Schmidt and Pionk, right? And sure. that's okay too, right? But that's actually if, if, if he's able to play on the third pair, I mean, we want to see him on the power play and maybe like in a couple of years, you know, whatever he's got to play though. That's, that's the, I'm okay with him playing a year on the moose as a top pair. Just don't, none of this back and forth in the yeah. press box thing. That would be awful. I'm and I'd be, we, I'd rather see Sandberg in the press box as a seventh guy than Hanala. Yeah. But here's the, because it, it, healing, sorry, there. Brian, this is the whole thing. This is what, this is what the track record has shown us though, is that he will sit in the press box. And yeah, this is that's... where the this is where the summer Chevy and the oh they're going they're all in stuff really dies for me really quickly because I have a longer memory maybe than some people. There's nothing telling me that he's not going to sit in the press box and play 11 games this year. There's nothing telling me that until I'm proven otherwise. I'm going to go with 10 years of knowledge, right? Yeah. I hope they do his develop. Like I would have loved to see him play in the NHL last year, but. They had the room for him last year. Yeah, though that's the big thing. They had they had a struggling Forbert and a struggling Bolieu and whoever else they put out there. You know, like we've talked about, Forbert was a corpse for half. You didn't need to do that, (laughs) right? Forbert was a corpse for the second half of the season. He couldn't skate. There is no reason to not at least play some games. And then you wonder, well, why? Why aren't you? that's a whole other question, but I think we know the answer to that, but um, that that's my worry. The that, other that's... thing is the other thing is no matter what happens, he, you waste a year of his ELC this year, even if he plays the full year with the moose. So mm-hmm. I think that's value you would love to have in the NHL, but you do have a log jam there. And, I, and this is part of the reason why earlier this off season, I was saying package up Stanley and, you know, Andrew a cop, Pop a cop for, uh, you know, a higher end forward or something like that. Um, this is you, like, then you run into, then you run into cap troubles too, but I mean, I'm right now is like an absolute, like just a, like, you know what I mean to, to trade Logan Stanley right now? 
you could trick 30 GMs into just a huge haul for a guy that you have already. You can replace already. You've got the guys to replace him. It's not yeah. like you're like guessing. It's not like you're worried. You've got two guys that can take his spot or more. Mm-hmm. And you bring in, you could probably get any forward that's, that it's, that's expiring in the whole league for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, can you afford that? Who knows? That's not what we're talking about. Point being, you could trade him for any expiring forward right now. 30 goal player. Maybe. Because oh, GMs I, I will, he... you know what I'm saying? In generally speaking, I'm not, none of it's black and white, but yeah, that's yeah. the move when you've got a guy that's already replaceable. For sure. Yeah. And that, yeah. And, the, the, the way that he was, you know, tight, been so highly touted, like for some weird reason, he scored on his value, Price. his value will never be higher right now, right? Or well, coming out of the playoffs anyway, at a least. defenseman's trade value, play him with Dylan DeMello for half a season. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, no, I was gonna there. say, I bet you he succeeds this year in his position, like, I bet he does pretty decently. That's mm. Well, I- that's. And I think we're going to see this. I think Neil Pionk is also going to have a hell of a year too, because like, it's so funny to look at his numbers compared to New York, obviously like a lot of different stuff going on, but we forget that. No, we forget. We talk about it a lot, but some other people forget that Derek Forber was really not good. He was effective on the penalty kill. And that's what people talk about. Every time they talk about Derek Forber, he's like, Oh, he's so good on the penalty kill, but he how was pretty effective? good on the penalty kill, yes, but was, there was but, nothing else. And, but him and Neil Pionk were separated for all of like three, even strength minutes, freaking all year. It felt like, and he wasn't doing that much on his own. Neil Pionk was still very, very good. So I think he's going to play with a better partner this year, even if it ends up being Logan Stanley, which it won't. Um, he's going to be playing with a better partner this year. And um, that's, where you're, that's where you're going to have a better team. And this is what I was saying for me, where I like the, the double signings, right? It was like what um, Islanders did maybe 2015, 16, when they got uh, Letty and uh, I don't know, what, the other guy that they signed, two guys in the off season rather than one good guy, right? And it, it kind of turns things. And I, I think that that's the good thing. You just, you're running out of shitty players to put on the ice. Well, that's that the key big with big our big. with our coach too, right? Is, Dougie yeah. Hamilton, like when that was the big one, everyone's like, oh, we want him, we want him. And I was like, I would I, I would love to have Dougie Hamilton, mm-hmm. obviously. But I would have like, the, my, I think my, the one I use all the time is I would rather have Mike Riley and Jake McCabe than one Dougie Hamilton kind of thing. And that was just because those were two of my favorite UFAs. I like this even more because this is very, very deliberate. It wasn't just some guy you're taking a chance on because he's not on a contract. You sought out these guys, you chose them and you traded to bring them in. I, I think that's exciting. And that kind of is a good segue into my next question. And this is my favorite one that we got. It's from Alistair. And I really want to talk about this um, on the systems front. Will the upgraded decor lead to a system change? And will we see something more of the 1718 style of play? And I think this is a great question because um, I feel like we talk about like our defensive system is just bad. Um, but like this year, there was a lot of dumping and like not a ton of puck carrying because our defense sucked. And I think they did that on purpose. And it did not suit our forward core. And, and in my personal opinion, we should be styling our game to suit our forward card because that's our strength but now that they have some of these more dynamic defensemen I think they're probably going to change that a little bit and I think it's everyone is going to be better for it goalie's going to be better for it even though he's already good the forwards are going to be better for it I don't know if Brian you want to touch on that 
I'm less worried about the carrying versus dumping than I am the actual aggressiveness on the forecheck and the willingness of the defenseman to pinch down the walls. And I just think creating the extra possession for those forwards um, from the back end is going to be oh so important for this team this year if in fact that's the way they go and I think there's a pretty good chance you see more of that I think maybe Maurice thinks he can trust his D a little more if you've got now Brendan Dillon back there um I don't know what Schmidt's reputation around the league is defensively I know he hasn't been a particularly great defender strictly speaking the last little while which is okay if he's bringing the offense that you know, he brought in Vegas, but I think, I think that's the million dollar question for the season, to be honest with you. Um, the D upgrades would be nice on their own, but it needs to be accompanied by better systems, allowing the forwards to go to work. So that's kind of where I'm looking at. So Brian, as usual, nails it there. Like, all of the things that we've seen in the last three years since the run, three years now, three full seasons, like, well, not none of them are full, but you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you have no gap that has been allowed to be played where if there's a 50-50 puck in the neutral zone, the defensemen and forwards are, you can tell, have been instructed to back off rather than make that play. Um, there's no skating out of the puck, as we've talked about many times on the show by the defense or a way for the four or for the D to pass to the forwards to skate it out of their own end. It's all dump out. And then in the offensive zone, what I've noticed the most, and again, I'm not a huge systems guy, but what I've noticed the most is the D aren't allowed to uh, funnel. So we play a lot on the boards relatively, but there's no one to pass to. So the puck is turned over rather quickly. And then there's no, there's not a full cycle that's using the whole end. You're using just a lower three. And then the puck is taken away and it's transition, transition, transition. The hope for me would be if you've got six defensemen that can hold their own, yeah, they're going to be involved. And those are the three or four things that made them successful, in my opinion, when they made the run. On top of that, we talked at the end of the year last year and in the first round of the playoffs about how they played a little more zone defense in their own end. Um, maybe, and hopefully that's something we see, uh, which would be contrary to what you're doing. If you believe in that system that you've been running for 10 years, um, you're probably not going to do that, but hopefully we see some more of that. But I think definitely the, the aggressiveness from the neutral zone, kind of like, I guess the ring at line to, to your own goal line. I'd like to see more aggressiveness there. And I think the reason why you have six strong defense is for that purpose. It's gotta be, what's the point if, if it's not, and probably I'll add to that, probably one of the most respected and Tony on Twitter always talks about the fact that our offense is the problem, not our defense. He doesn't, I think sometimes his phrasing might be off because it's not really the offense. It's that middle part, right? It's the puck getting to the offense and keeping it there. That's really the problem. Keeping and, it. There's a big thing. Yeah, biggest, right. One of the biggest reasons I was, all over loving DeMello last year. Nobody could hold the hold the hold the line like he could last year. Every not every time, but 
every game there were two or three great plays where he would step in front of a play whether it be in the offensive zone the neutral zone or defensive zone um where he would just step in front of a play like it be take a zone exit attempt by the other team, for instance, he'd step in front of that, create an extra chance and extra possession for the offense. He did that so often. And that's those were the, just such a huge thing. Those were the things Mark Stewart was allowed to do in 2015 <laughs> and 16 and 17. And wow. now none of them are like, they're yeah. just not. And you can tell it's been coached out of them. It's not because these guys don't have instincts. In fact, I would say a guy like boy, you, or Forber probably have more instinct to do stuff like that, which is why they get burned a little bit more than other guys. But they that's a natural thing for a hockey player, a defense. Especially especially play. the 50-50 pucks, like like we always like you were mentioning there, that they just they back off most most of the time anyway. But that's going for a 50-50 puck. Any like these are all top, top end like athletes, like they're top thousand in the world or whatever. Like they they have those instincts right to to go for the 50 50 puck because they're going to win it i guess 50 50 percent <laughs> of the time but i guess they believe they can win it more right is is that kind of thing and stuff like that is you can see that they kind of coach it off where they're kind of staying back uh same thing again in the ozone like you know you look at you have that that forwards always play so high or at least one of them does and that does affect also your cycle and all stuff like that but i think if you have and i remember last year they played the Jets played uh you know a good five or six games where I actually had to ask I was like is it just me or are the Jets pinching more are they holding the boards a little bit more and they were like I, it was confirmed that it wasn't just my eyes like they actually were you know cutting off the play or whatever at the boards to create an extra chance or you know at least slow down the transition from the other team and stuff like that um and if these guys and they are like, they're way better. Like we had already mentioned, they're way better than what we've had the last, last year, the last two years or whatever. Um, I think they'll be able to do that more and, you know, to win those 50, 50 battles or to at least participate in the 50, 50 battles, I guess is, is the way to phrase that. Right. So hopefully that's something that they can transition to is, you know, a little more aggressive style to create more offense at the end of the day, which is how you win, right. You're going to, you need to score. So. And do you think that is going to come from, like you had said, like kind of the whole part about it being coached out of them. Do you think that's because the coaches didn't have faith in that style of play in general or that style of play in those players specifically? Those, those players. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like with these new additions, like I think. Hopefully they see it is kind of where I was. Yeah. yeah. Or where I think all three of us or all four of us were kind of leaning is hopefully they see it in these guys that they're able to pinch or do whatever is necessary. Right. We give the we give it a hard time and we talk a lot of smack about the team, but in all realistically, you lose Toby Enstrom, Dustin Bufflin, and Jacob Truba over the course of two or three years. Um, you're going to have to change the way you play defense, right? And because yeah. those guys were so good at those things, like they're all so great at that, yeah. right? Um, and you see some of that when you watch the highlights from the from the from the run and all that kind of stuff. You see those plays just in the in the highlights themselves. Um, so yeah, of course, that's a, a, a strategy to say we we just can't do it. Where I get my brain doesn't do the math though is how are you still like one of the worst defensive teams in the league if you've stopped taking all these chances? <laughs> like your whole point is to to play smarter, you know, and all this kind of thing, but really it's not helping you because you're still giving up more shots, you're still giving up high danger shots. So is it an advantage? Like maybe 
you go back to what was what got you to the Stanley the Western Conference final like I think what got them there like a lot of what got them there because that was a great defense score like that top four like they talk about Nashville's top four that top four with uh, Bufflin Enstrom Truba Morrissey that was a hell of a top four so and then honestly, like Sherrod and Myers playing limited minutes is not exactly yeah. either. Like those yep. are guys that are like you you can coach good players out of those guys. Like we talk a lot of smack about both of them, maybe more me than you guys. I know I don't really like like either of them. People always talk about how much they miss them and I don't, but it's not that they're bad players. I just didn't like their usage while they were here because I find them very in, like all that stuff, whatever. So it's like in third pairing minutes, I thought they were both very, very, very effective. So like, if Tyler Myers is yeah. only playing where he's good, he's a good defenseman. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's fine. And that's it why just... a guy like, like, sorry, like, uh, like that's why Logan Stanley looked so exceptional. Part of it is his, like, he was playing against the other team's worst players. I don't even know if he looked time. exceptional. He well, exceptional, sorry, exceptional to some <laughs> no, people, right? Like, to you know some people, I'm that's right. Oh, okay. That's I right. Yeah, not, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't that's think where um, people, exceptional. <laughs> that's where people got the idea that he was yes. so good is yes. because he's playing against, he's an, we can all agree he's an NHL quality defenseman. He's playing against guys that probably are not NHL quality players the whole season. Or, yeah exactly yeah like we, we talk bad about a lot of teams but it's like also like ottawa was bad vancouver was bad edmonton was bad calgary was bad toronto was good montreal was pretty good but like they was playing I, the worst players on those really bad teams like they're it's you got to take everything with a grain of salt when that's the sample size that you're pulling from like you like you like and then one of those I'd be a good defenseman if I if I was only playing against the Oilers fourth line. It's one of those scenarios, right? It's like, oh, I'd score 30 goals with Connor McDavid. Okay. Right. It's the same yeah. thing. If you're always playing again, and that's literally what he did. He only played against those players. So mm-hmm. where I was and going, he had, it's and like, he had a pretty good partner too when he was playing with the Mel. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Right? So like, that, is, yeah. is Chris Kunitz a top 10 NHL player or does he just <laughs> just play with Sidney Crosby? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But so when you got going, a guy like like Dylan DeMello carrying you against these awful players, you're going to look like a freaking uh, Norris. Not, you know what I'm trying to say, though. Like, you're going to look pretty damn good. Good partner, bad competition. Got to say that that's probably a pretty good combination to look. Like, that's you're yeah. set up for success in that way. Like you said, like yeah, you're it's hard to fuck that up. Logan Stanley's trade value. That's <laughs> where I was going earlier and I didn't quite get to uh, with the Jets great decor back in uh, 1718 was they right. allowed that allowed their uh, their offensive guys to more or less go to work. Now, I don't know if that whole that whole team was probably not driven uh, by the defenseman like that's a great group of forwards that they had, obviously, but it's not even as different as you might think now that top six right you still i mean yeah wheeler's older now and less effective that sucks um but you wouldn't expect connor and shifley to be that much worse even though their impacts like if you look at like the analytics and stuff they're certainly not what they were in that uh that western conference final run uh you still got Ehlers. Uh, you got Dubois now instead of Line. Say what you want about that. Um, I mean, you have Stastny. He's a bit older now. Um, but the hope is with a D this year that 
some of those guys can kind of, if not get back to where they were, get close. So I think it's very important to have a, have a functional decor allowing you to play those type of systems. Yeah, I definitely agree. Is it crazy to think, and I saw somebody say it, uh, somebody say, oh, with um, the Jets' lack of offense, and somebody right away replied on Twitter, lack of offense. But is it crazy to say right now that the defense is better than the forward group? No, and I've been wondering that. Like, I've literally because been wondering You just that. tried to go through the top six, right, Brian? And then even once now once you start going to the top nine, and all of a sudden you're like, there's not that Patrick Liney in and out. I'm again, if Dubois can get 20 goals, 22 goals, something like that, and play like a number one, a center, maybe I have a little bit, maybe, but I think their six defensemen are better than their 12 forwards. Maybe. Good question. Like, Like, I think if they start, like, I'm very, very, very bent on this, but I so badly want them to run Shifley, Dubois, Stas, and Lowry down the middle. Oh, but yeah. That's my dying wish right now, like, because... It's like never going to happen. It's never going to happen. The thing is, is they, this is a team that runs two scoring lines, one checking line, one fourth line, right? So it's like, they don't want Lowry... They want Lowry on their checking line, and they're going to try and make the team super top-heavy and whatever, And but you could do what Montreal did in the playoffs and run four skilled lines because that's they'll do it later in the season. They'll do it later in the season or the playoffs, but don't expect that to be how it is out of camp. If they think that they have a chance to win, then they'll do that, but not out of camp. Out of camp, there's no way. I'm not necessarily opposed to them going Lowry Gustafson as three, four. No, 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 no. That I I'm opposed to them. going Lowry and Mr. Guy. Oh yeah. As four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told no, totally. Yeah. I, I, I do kind of want to see Gustafson in the lineup, and I do think he's better fit for center than the wing. Like he hasn't really played the wing much, much wing anywhere um, in the last like, well, you know, the three years that he's been in the Jets system. So, so he'll be a perfect fourth uh, fourth line left winger then this season. I, know. <laughs> I, mean, I always compare like the wing, your your dominant hand wing to an outside hitter in volleyball. It's like anyone can do that. Like if, I if get it. Like it, it like, but no, I, I totally see what you mean in that sense. And like people are talking about like, oh, Perfetti needs to play, like Got- put him on the fourth line. No, but David no. Gustafson could play on the fourth line and yeah. have like, a good career. So Gus, like, this Gus is, is smart. Right, so, but okay, this is ahead. a question for you guys, and Brian, then you can f- continue that. Has on our salary cap now made that almost a certainty that that uh, guy is going to be him rather than Nate Thompson or Well, Matt no, Hendricks? because if you sign someone to a league minimum, then you just flip Gustafson out. It's a wash on the cap, so. Yeah. Right. They, they I, could still theoretically do that. I don't necessarily think they will. I think maybe they think Riley Nash is their, uh, oh, yeah. their veteran bottom six guy. Who's Which isn't that bad, I believe. Yeah, no, he's a lot better than Nate Thompson. Yeah. Um, I, that kind of what brings me to another point that I want to mention. Um, sorry, it just made me think of that. Maybe, Brian, you can keep going if you want. Um, Luke wants to know if you think that most of our offseason moves this summer have been in Chevy's hands. Like, do you think this was him? like, I, 
I want to believe in Chevy and like I just think it's like you know tying up cap in Paul Stastny and Andrew Kopp whatever it's like now there's no money to sign another Trevor Lewis so now you have to play Mr. Christian Veselin and or something like that you know it's like is do you think Chevy was completely in control for this or do you think there's been like obviously there's always going to be communication among people with the scouts and the coach all that but like where do you think kind of Chevy's mind was there with the moves, he was in control, but he played within the constraints that Mark Chipman wanted him to play with. So Mark Chipman gave him the okay for those things. That's what I think. I feel well, like you've about every move ever that's happened since 2000. So <laughs> if Chevy wanted to say trade Blake Wheeler, it's getting vetoed by Chipman. That's sure. yeah. right. That's, yeah. And yeah. none of none of those things happened. Like nothing like that crazy happened. So. There was nothing crazy but, for Mark Chipman to go, no, you're not doing that. But exactly. it goes back to exactly what you just said, though, Brian. I think we'll find out the second week of camp or the three days before camp if it's a summer Chevy or if it's a, uh, a fall of, of Maurice and if uh, the, Trevor Lewis comes in and all of a sudden Veselinen's on, on Team B, right, rather than Team A uh, or yeah. uh, Gustafson or whoever, right? that's when we'll find out for sure the pto guy right or the two because that guy comes every year and it'll be that will be the marie signing not not the not the signing i'm hoping riley nash is that guy because i I, that's that's what i was i I think think he's a kind of solid bottom six player yeah really good defensively i don't want him playing offense like i mean i shouldn't say that i want him playing offense (laughs) because then he's not in the d zone but like He's not going to help you much offensively, but like he's the guy who where nothing's going to happen when he's on the ice kind of thing, which is right. great. These, those guys have utility. Them. Yeah. 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 No, it's definitely, especially when you run the way that we do. Um, I wanted to, um, this kind of goes, yeah. You know, you know, we're all Jets fans. Everyone's questions are like kind of the same, uh, but Daniel, I'll throw this one. This is another one from Luke. It's in the same tweet. Um, do you think the kids will get a shot this year or are there some more Nate Thompson deals coming our way? So kind of where we're at right now, like we have the Luke greens and the, like they're literally, the I don't even is, remember. Uh, but I like, don't think... are, are any of those guys expected to play in the NHL? Other Riley Nash, I would say almost hundred percent is, but anyone else, do you think those guys are going to be, or are they going to be the Dominic Tom Nattos? Luke green was not qualified this summer. So he is no longer in the jets organization. Oh, geez. Okay. um i kind of like we kind of touched on that already i guess really like of are they going to bring in uh trevor lewis or whoever um but i do think like i'll kind of like i think the roster that we look we can look at on our on cap friendly today is kind of what they'll go into camp with i don't think they'll bring in that kind of pto guy because they really don't have to they already got a bunch of league minimum or guys that are making under a million bucks right like really in that bottom six, you got like Veselin and uh, Gustafson. You got uh, Nash, I believe, was only like a 750, right? So oh, those no, guys yeah. already ex- already exist on the team, right? So they don't really need to bring in a few more. Like it's, you know, they got Toninato as well down there, right? So I think they have kind of what you see is kind of what you're going to get unless they make another significant yeah. move, which I mean, like Svechnikov has been rumored the last few days. Yeah, and a guy like say. that... A guy like that, that would be fine because he's, you know, that kind of guy where he could be a difference maker and it's a very low risk um, move. You sign a guy to a one-year minimum 
what at what like whatever right it's not it's not going to break your back i don't think because you yes. can just dump them you exactly. know put them on waivers yeah. or whatever right so stuff like that which is fine you know that getting a guy like Svechnikov is a lot different than getting a guy like trevor lewis as well right yeah, so Svechnikov's still got the upside to be a solid nhl or like he's never really played much minutes in the nhl but he's always been good outside had a I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but he's, I think he spent most of one of those two years injured. Um, yeah, I think I remember that too. Last yeah. year, he yeah. played a little bit with Detroit to some pretty decent results in about, I think, 215 minutes-ish kind of thing. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but some Get it together. pretty decent results <laughs> <laughs> in Detroit. I'm quite okay with signing a guy like that um to play in your bottom six and possibly so, if he impresses be an injury replacement in the top six if you know one of your stars gets hurt so we we like to think we're experts but i've been preaching let's pretend we're the coach rather than let's pretend we're ourselves what does the top six and bottom six look like csw right off the bat out the gate oh no of course 100 percent Dubois I feel like Stastny. Be... Lowry Cop Totonato I want to say Veselinen I feel like Veselinen is going to take that spot okay it's going to be Nash coming and then going to be Nash sorry go then ahead. this is where you might get your gust though then you might get if you go Riley um who was the other veteran that we were just talking about Gus Riley and Toninato. I don't know. I, I think we, we only have, have the Yeah. One. Like, Harkins. you know, and Harkins is an option. And Harkins too. is there too. Like know. you might get your third line with two vets and have Gus be able to play center. Yeah. If no, he's sheltered by, tra- especially if he's got, Oh, it, Lewis isn't back. No, he's in Calgary. Right. But um, sorry, Riley Nash. So if you have a good defender like Nash with, with a young guy like Gus and then you throw another vet on the other side, you might have, you might be able to play him. This or might they might be, be willing to. As a more, like a Maurice, from a Maurice point of view, you might be able to play him because he's got his, his vets out there, right? That's, That's what I'm saying. What you're, you're not going to run yeah. Harkins, Harkins, Gus, and, uh, you know, whatever. And Veselainen. Veselainen, yeah. Line. I'd love yeah. to see a fourth line of Veselainen and Gustafsson Svechnikov. Because, like, I think is- Gustafsson has a little bit of untapped offensive upside. Like, transition... More specifically, he's good in transition. I'd like to see that translate into some offense for Veselainen. And if the if I think it'll happen if they confirm the signing of Geni Svechnikov. Yeah, do you guys think that that one's going to come through? Yeah, I think so. I I I think sounds from, like it from what we've seen the last few days. I don't. I if mean, both teams are, if both teams are interested in each other and it's not like. It's not a guy who is qualified. It's a guy who's going to be making close to league minimum. I think it's just a matter of working out some kinks kind of thing with the contract. I think it'll happen. And so if that happens, then that opens you up for what we were talking about originally was the, the four center group, right? If you get another skill guy and you get deeper in the season, you need wins or you're going to the playoffs, then you've opened up that opportunity to run the four guys bump a, uh, Svechnikov or Totonato or one of these guys that can maybe score even a Harkins up to the second line and then fill out from there, right? 
So you, you maybe can get there with what you have. I, I wonder, I, I, I just, I'm always, always interested what happens two days before camp. So I just think it's going to be a really interesting, like, I think there are going to be a lot of changes. Like we saw a lot of line shuffling last year and I have a feeling there's going to be some here and I hope there is, especially at the beginning, just because I feel like there are some optimal combinations there. And I really hope they try and find them as opposed to just running with CSW. And oh man, that'll kill the rest me if they do that up. again. Like, like there's 82 well, games, man. Like you can, you can play with it. Right? That. And then last year was just, Hey, Hey, but also, First, to be young and naive, you guys. <laughs> the first game, opening night. You know what? This is my dream. Opening night, we have the greatest game in Jets history. And it's like a it's because Connor and Stasny and Dubois play together and they're so good. So that when Shifley comes back from his suspension, they have no choice but to play him with <laughs> someone else no i'm just kidding i don't know he's not gonna be playing the first game though so that's hilarious is stasty or dubois playing on the wing in your uh in your lineup i I don't care i don't know i don't care um i think for if you're looking long-term sake probably stasty just because i don't know if you want to just create it i think dubois at center is gonna be i hope that he's a lot better this year and i think maybe um like again that's going to be a big thing with the systems right like i'm looking for specifically um i'm specifically looking for better um impacts on possession and scoring chances from shifley connor and dubois those three players i think would be the biggest uh benefactors of a systems change dubois is weird because like he's definitely the kind of person player that is very appealing to old hockey men and eye test guys. Like he's very, he's like a Blake Wheeler esque in his, like he's heavy on the puck. He's got that good skating stride. And like, he's very like, so I don't know how good he actually is. He was a reach at three. He he's since the beginning, he's been a reach at three. There were flashes in some of the playoffs, whatever, but like, I don't know. Like, I wasn't worried at first. I was like, guys, like, it's an off year, whatever. But, like, I'm a little worried. A little. I think he was just really good in Columbus for a while, and I don't think that just suddenly went away. No, no, but I don't know, like... Like, he was legitimate top six forward. Oh, yeah. Playing on... He was top-line center on a playoff team. I mean, that's not a great analysis on its own, but his results, like his lines were outscoring, outshooting the other teams. Like, yeah. And he didn't have like that phenomenal of line mates either. So like a lot of that, did. he's pretty good at play driving. Like that's, people yeah, have, yeah. like the, the big two way center. He's not that good at defense. He never really has been. No, um, but like, you don't need to be good at defense if you always have the puck. Right. So it's, it's kind of moot at that point. Like it's, I just think he definitely still has the potential to be super, super effective. And I have a feeling we're going to see it, but like, I don't know. I do worry a little. I think we went over those points a lot too near the end of the season about like there's three or four events that led to that season. And, you know, uh, between a trade, two injuries, uh, no training camp, you know, all of it is, that's a lot of stuff for an athlete. Athletes crave one thing. It's just like routine and normalcy. Right. There, there's none of that for him. Um, and 
I'll give the benefit of the doubt. I'm usually on the player's side on almost every everything. <laughs> so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that too, that he he's going to come in. He'll be here. I, I would guess he'll be the first or second person in Winnipeg and have a good pre-training camp. And, you know, he's going to be taking the opening night face off. So he better yeah. be ready. Right. You know, and, and um, he's like, he, he's a hockey boy, right? Like he's very like, grew up in that hockey world dad's a coach whatever like he's very like he was not happy with his season like you saw it in his face you heard it in his exit interview he took so much ownership for it and like obviously this is because I love him and I want to give him the benefit of it for everything but like coming in on a contract year when you really have to prove yourself like I don't think someone who has been as good as he has been in his limited career so far is just gonna fall off forever and just be done like it, it just doesn't work like that. I don't think so. I think guys that don't make it at this point never had anything. Exactly. Right. Guys that, that continue are guys that have shown something. Like if you're this far in, you're five years in and you've never shown anything, you're not going to show anything. Unless your name is Sammy Niku. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've never had a chance. But I think, I think given that he had like, he had good seasons in the NHL at 18, 19, and 20 years old, I don't think that counts for nothing after last year that's right no that's yeah, right it, it could be sorry 19 opposite. sorry 19 20 and 21 he, I yeah, got the years wrong. At 18 because yeah. i saw he him didn't play at 18 in jhl at 18 guys yes yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it's completely different than a guy that's never had a good season and you've just been waiting and waiting and yeah. waiting it, it's completely different part. yeah um this is one from mallory that's kind of fun it doesn't make sense anymore but um if we're going all in, why not take a run at Eichel? I think Buffalo is asking for the equivalent of four first-round pieces or prospects. Lucius, Hainola, and two first-rounders seems like a steep price, but for Eichel, it's a no-brainer. Maybe have Buffalo retain some money. Obviously, Buffalo Eichel makes $10 million. No. Buffalo says no. <laughs> Buffalo says no. Like, I, I just, I'm so curious. Like, I just sure. feel like the situation is getting to be so weird. I have a feeling we're going to see a trade eventually, and it's going to be for, like, dirt cheap. Like it's not going to be dirt cheap. It's Jack Eichel. Dirt, I was going to say dirt cheap relative to someone who I literally still consider to be a top five player in the NHL. Like people are talking like they okay. have, to, they're like 25, whatever. Jack Eichel is so good. Like he's oh, so Oh yeah. Good. Jack Eichel's good. what? Top, like you said, top seven players in the league. If you take out goalies. Top 10, I think I don't probably, probably top 10. I think. I top think 10 at least. I could maybe touch and we on have a little to bit, but team. yeah. I think he, and we in have his career, to, so, he could still be go top ahead. Five. No. Oh, I was just saying, and, I think in his career, he could still have potential to be top five. And I would say all of this conversation has to be taken with the fact that he's injury free. Because yeah. you can't have that conversation. That he's healthy. Yeah, fully healthy. Yeah, he, we yeah, have to pretend yeah. that, he's, that he's healthy. I would, do, I would do almost anything to have him on our team. If Mark Scheifele is your second best center, uh, yeah. you, you have a chance to win the Stanley Cup right away. Period. I don't care who else is on the team. You have a chance. If you can make it work. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins model with right. If you the rest if, of their team is anybody, but if if your number two center is Mark Scheifele and you still manage to keep Connor and Ehlers in that trade, forget it. That's it's a no brainer trade. Anybody. Buffalo's looking for futures with this trade. I think like I, I made a trade proposal on my Twitter um, last week. Um, I have to remember what it was. I believe. Oh yeah. It was um, three roster players. uh, Dubois, Morrissey, Stanley, 
Lucius and a first round pick. And the majority, I think it was 52% said Winnipeg says no. I I thought, I thought everybody was crazy for Winnipeg. No, I was like, that's, that's three mediocre. Well, I shouldn't say mediocre Dubois really has upside, but it's, that's two people are answering that Morrissey Stanley and then Lucius and the first round pick both have real downside. Like Lucius may never be a very good player and the first round pick may not ever be a really much of an NHLer, right? right. I so. think people said Winnipeg says no because you could say Josh Morrissey for Aaron Ekblad and Winnipeg says no. Yeah, like- and, I said, <laughs> and I said no the same way as in, or a different way as in, they say no, not because I think I would say no. Okay. But okay. but there's no way that's happening because the Jets value Morrissey too high and yeah. fans and value him too high. Too. Like Dubois, right. I think from in the league, Dubois is still a third overall draft pick, right? And it's like, it's not, they're not looking, it's you, like, you eh, say, not future, quite. I don't think so. I, like, I get the feeling what you're saying though the idea of that yeah yeah but, still highly valued for sure but I I for me how I took that was again that you're right but I think it's a close to fair value I think the Jets are still a little over even for Eichel but as far as a typical Jets fan or the organization it's not even close it's not even close it's way 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 over because they've got so much in Stanley and they think Morrissey is a legit, I mean, maybe they've backed off on that a little bit this year with the signings, but they think he's a top pair guy, right? Like uh, that's how right. I take that question. We're, as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty close, but I Where think- I was going with that was Buffalo doesn't want the now players. They want the future. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want Perfetti and one of Lucius or Hanala. It's going to have to, be, I think Perfetti has to be involved yes. if Buffalo is going to say yes to a deal like that. Yeah, 100%. As they should, though. Like, you have to get there. Like, you should be asking for everyone and their dog for him because you can't win that trade. That's the other problem. And unless you get Perfetti and Hanala, you're not winning that trade. So, you have every right to that. Patrick Liney is not as good of a hockey player as Jack Eichel is, but that's the same thing. It's like if you're walking away from this, not as the team who gets Patrick Liney, you probably lost the trade because just because of the kind of player that he was. And it's and to to reiterate, Jack Eichel is on a level that people just for some reason have no clue. He's as good probably as Austin Matthews. And I think he's better than Austin. Like he might be better than him. I think Matthews is better than Eichel, but I don't think Eichel like I think the league, not the league. I don't know how the league values Eichel, but I think the fans in particular really underrate Jack Eichel. Like he is one hell of a player. He does absolutely everything well, including I bet you, defensively. Like, I bet you numbers of Buffalo this year and his limited sample were through the roof. He couldn't score, but it was like, people always talk about, Oh, the Buffalo effect and with Rasmus Ristolainen. Look at what Jack Eichel was putting up against that East division that had some of the best goal scorers in the entire NHL. Like it was bonkers. Let's see, maybe uh, sometime this week, do a, do a jet centric quiz or uh, poll and see how many Jets fans would trade Mark Shifley for Jack Eichel one for one. Every single one of them should say yes. Every yeah, single hundred percent. That's, that's, that's an just, easy trade. That's a no brainer. You can I bet you, you I bet you, I would, my, I would put 80% at no. Yeah. Would not do it. 
I don't be my guess. Just because I think a lot of our followers too are more like us, and not, like if you were to put this on Winnipeg Jets Facebook, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, but I'd be interested. I'd be interested because that I gives can put you that out right now. I think that'll be fun. Oh because yeah, because that you know what I mean. Those are the sorts of where you where you start taking bits and pieces from a great thoughtful trade proposal like Brian's, right? Yeah. And you yeah. can start seeing what people really think because Brian's taking the time. He's looking at all the really stuff and you know how people value their players against other players. And I just think that would be an incredible way to, to see how people really value things. For sure. Other, uh, I guess the only thing that maybe might be a caveat on that is what Eichel's two, two years younger. Right. So. Then but, who? Then Shifley. Uh, no, uh, he's Four, three, four years, four, four. Yeah, I guess, eh? 2011, 2011 15. 15. Yeah, yeah. I was bored. So that's work. gonna be, that's gonna be the. I was bored at work yesterday, and I wrote down all of the 2015 draft picks because, like, for whatever reason, I remember them. And holy smokes, that was a, that was a stacked year. <laughs> um, okay, Daniel, I want to throw you. I have a couple of more, like, just some fun ones on the hashtag to um. Actually, no, before I get to the fun ones, there's one more from Dave that I wanted to touch on. Um, how bad will the Adam Lowry contract be? A- and how long before we really start to regret that one? What was his, what was his contract? Um, what was the extension? 3.25 by five, I want to say. 3.25 by five. Three million for five years. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. Some, if it's around that, if it's around that, I'll go off that. To, uh, yeah, it's three, like 3.25 a year for five years. That's uh, going to be bad in two years. I was going to say probably in the year two, Maybe year two, that year. we'll notice that. I'm not um, going to lie. It could be bad next year. I, I'll, I mean, how, how old is Lowry now? Like 27? 20, 2011 pick as well. So he's the same age as Shifley. He's 28. As yeah. Well. So that's already, you're already well past what his prime is at that point. Um, so, you know, in five years, yeah, that's going to be bad within the next two seasons, probably. Is he and not I mean, just going to be the, is he not just going to be the same player he is now for the next five years? I would say he is. No, and that's exactly what the, I think that's uh, what the Jets want is just that guy. They don't expect anything out of him other than to be so great defensively. Yeah. I don't if know, he I think... stays at this level for the next five years, I will bite my tongue a little bit on it just because it could have been a lot worse. I think he's going to fall off. It, it could have been a lot think, worse as well. I don't think that's they're, uh, I don't think he's the type of player that's going to, you know, keep his impact high for a long time. Like I think if his skating falls off even a little bit, that's going to be tough for him. Kind of like, kind of like Wheeler, right? Like we either slow down well, a little bit. I mean, and... Lowry was never really that quick to begin with, but well, exactly. Like, yeah. But skate, but I think just having him a step slower is really going to hurt as a guy who's good at reading the game. And that's a big part of why he's good. So if you take away a little, if you take away a step or half a step, right. That's especially when he's touted for his defense, right? Like when you lose that step, right. That's the the contract makes me nervous. And I think as a GM, you have to be ready to be bold and make a trade to a team that's going to overvalue a, really good third line center kind of thing. I think you have to be ready to do that. And that's the type of thing that NHL GMs just don't really do. And 
before it's too late, the guy has negative value and you're paying to get rid of him. And yeah. it's my favorite and what the- people for the expansion draft, when they were talking about exposing DeMello, they were talking about the cap hit. So if you want to expose someone for a $3 million cap hit, expose Adam Lowry. Like you don't tie up that kind of term in your bottom sixers. You just don't do that. That's so, why the Vancouver Canucks are so bad. <laughs> but this is, that's a league wide thing right is you're these third liners there's absolutely no reason to give term to a third liner because if you can't replace them in the time you have that contract you're basically saying you don't know how to do your own job right and that's i saw a lot of that with a lot of the rangers signings this summer is like i can't i don't even remember the players but a lot of people going why are we giving these guys term the barkley and blake coleman signings right yeah goudreau right uh it's like if you can't replace that guy in two years with another guy that's just as good, like you might as well fold the franchise. And <laughs> there's fire just every single one of your pro scouts. Right. Like, but this is, is the difference with Winnipeg. This is the difference with Winnipeg and with Adam Lowry. That's a whole different ball of wax. The, there's something about that guy. I've never been the biggest fan. He's fine. Um, but I don't get it. There's a love affair with from the franchise and the fans for a guy that can't score um that's just crazy and they went and made their bed i think he can live up to what they think the contract is but i don't think it's going to be what you know you know what i'm saying the difference is you know what i'm saying what they think literally why we have this podcast is because (laughs) it's ripped between how we think how we value players and how the winnipeg jets value players that's what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying adam lauer brings to the team are things that we care less about right so it's like obviously we're a little bit of different minds when it comes to that. So I've always liked Lowry as a player, but I think those are the types of guys that are, that should be easily replaceable. Like there's five, six, seven guys, maybe not that many four, three, four, five guys a year in free agency that go for, you know, anywhere from league minimum to 2 million for a year or two that can bring, almost the same thing if not the same thing as adam lowry was bringing like i always say how many other guys in the league are there like that when it when it was who's better connor and and line when that was a conversation there's at least at least a dozen kyle connors in the nhl i I don't know maybe there's more there's not another patrick lining right how many how many andrew cops are there in the nhl give or take 60 (laughs) 30 30, 60? There's a number of them. Yeah, right no. Like, yeah. You, right? So you don't need to hit your wagon to these guys <laughs> that you can replace, right? That's the thing. You need to hit your wagon to guys that aren't replaceable. Those are the guys you need to keep. Yeah, I think and, it was Garrett the other day. He tweeted, um, you want to be the teams that are losing Zach Hyman's and the Blake Coleman's or and replacing them with cheaper guys rather than the rather than than the guys paying long-term to those guys to either get good or to stay relevant if you're spending eight years on zach hyman you've already lost it doesn't matter how good he is next year it just doesn't matter you there's no it's baffling it's just and that's why every year yeah what did what did the new york islanders think they were doing with andrew ladd (laughs) <laughs> what, what 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 were you thinking was going to happen well you right. know 
I don't know. Like I, okay. I watched Moneyball the other day, guys. I won't stop talking about it, but all these guys in the movie, they're sitting around and they're talking about player acquisitions. Right. And there's this one guy they're talking about. They're like, Oh, like he was at some strip club and they're like, Oh, his girlfriend's ugly. Like they're talking about all this random shit <laughs> like, and, and whatever. And it's like, so yeah, it's like, you're talking about like, and he doesn't have confidence because his girlfriend's ugly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like all of these things, like all, it's like it. And Chris, you said it once, and I feel like I say this all the time. It's it's show business, not show friends, right? So it's like right. if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, like you have to start caring about can he get on base? No, it's like can right. does he is he good at hockey? Like you know, it's like yes, there are other things involved, but if you can't, it doesn't compensate. Oh, he's a really great guy. Okay, but if he's bad at hockey, he's bad at hockey. Like, um, I tweeted it last night. Sorry, I tweeted it last night. It's amazing that the Bombers dressing room guys happen to be their four best players. Yep. Right. Isn't yep. that the way to do it? And they're That's dominant what it should team. Be. They're dominant team. They're the best team in the league. They're the best team in the league last year. They're the best team in the league now. And their four best players are their four faces of their franchise. And you know those are... You telling me anybody's doing anything in the in that dressing room that's out of line when Adam Big Hill and and uh, Willie Jefferson are your team leaders? No, get the best players, and hopefully they're good leaders. But don't get shitty players just because they're leaders. It doesn't work that way. Talent is yeah. the most important thing. Um, I we're running this kind of long, and I have a couple of like little fun ones that I wanted to get to. Um, so maybe we'll jump to those and then we'll kind of wrap it up. We do want to do like, I think we'll do a big off season recap kind of show. Maybe we'll do that with like live on Twitter or live on YouTube or something like that, whatever. But, um, so we're kind of going to be done with all the big stuff now, but, um, Maddie wants to know who's one former jet who left the team this off season that you'll be secretly cheering for in we all get to pick one but nobody can pick the same one so whoever oh. goes first who picks matthew Pro, everyone <laughs> okay um daniel you can go first chris okay Ryan, other than, other than Perot, this I is garbage this, i'll let someone this else is, say this Perot. is a setup okay <laughs> but, uh, oh, i'll let someone else say Perot, i just okay. thought of one too actually so you um, go ahead I'll go with our expansion loss, Mason Appleton. Um, I okay. always liked him when he was coming up uh, through the moose and all that. So, you know, it's, I hope he does well in, in Seattle. He'll get a good chance there to play some good minutes playing on the expansion team. So, I could have went with Appleton too. Appleton uh, threw my daughter a puck when he played for the moose and then signed it after at Autograph Alley. Nice. So that's always a memory. Uh, but I'll go with Larry Brassois. Fine. Go ahead. Do well. <laughs> You're, he's way better looking than Adam Lowry. That's a joke to me that everybody thinks Adam Lowry's so hot. Okay, again, 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 again. Okay, you could find thirty other guys in the NHL who look like Adam Lowry, but there's only one guy who looks like Larry Brown. <laughs> That's right. See. <laughs> okay, Brian. I mean, I'm not secretly cheering for Matthew Perot. I'll probably be tweeting about him like every other week. <laughs> That's so, generous. It's going to be every other day. And <laughs> yeah, okay, that's that's fair. How can I not? He's the greatest NHL player of all time. Yes. That, well, <laughs> second behind Nikolai Ehlers. And, okay, and <laughs> so close. Mine, who I will be cheering for, um, the Vancouver Canucks for Nick Patan. 
So there you go. That's okay. one former Jet that I'll be cheering for in the I office. thought it was Jets we lost this year. If we're, if we're going back in time, then, well, I can go down the list. No, he, j- he just moved this year. Not from the Jets. He just moved. He's on a new team, and I hope he does well there. Okay, okay, uh-huh. okay. That's that's, that's the, host, the host caveat there. Okay. That's- I'm finding the technicalities <laughs> in the questions so I can bring it that's, up. Like, that's totally like, fair. And I, I'm totally cheering for Nick Patan as well. Oh, for sure. I hope he gets a good look this he, year too. Yeah. Jim Benning, that's what you do. That's who you bring into play in your bottom yep. six. Not Jay Beagle for six by six. <laughs> like, I'm kidding. You, you bring know. in the, the, the cheap guys. That's that's right, yeah. The Svechnikovs um, of the world. Svechnikov, yeah. Um, Brianna wants to know, if you could score an interview with any Jet, both past and present, not or, who would it be and why? Uh, Chris, you can go first. Uh, well, for me, that's easy. I, I, and I thought there was a chance that I was going to. I'd like to interview Shane Doan um, because he's my favorite all-time hockey player um, and he's the nicest person I've ever met. And uh, he'd have a lot of good stories. Not super a lot of Jet stuff there, but uh, just the transition would have been cool. And uh, like I said, he's the nicest guy. The last time I met him, he told me a great story about uh, the night before the Jets played in in Phoenix and him and Blake Wheeler fought. And he told me he told me a good story about how nobody he didn't want Wheeler and him didn't want to fight. But because Winnipeg was winning four one and Blake <laughs> was talking up a storm, Shane started a fight with him. And he's like, you had to know that I was going to go with you. And Blake was pissed that they're fighting. And he's like, you're kicking our ass in our own arena. Uh, you have to know I'm going to fight you. <laughs> so uh, uh, if he can tell you a story like that, when he has no idea who you are, I wonder what he would, uh, how he would yeah, answer right. Some yeah. good questions. He's, he's the best. So. Good choice. What about present? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I'd like to probably Connor Hellebuck because I did play goal and I think he's, I mean, he's our best player and I mean, Connor Hellebuck would be awesome to, to kind of try and get something out of him. He seems on one hand, super out. Like he says what's on his mind, but it's all really well thought out and uh, calculated. I think other than when he toots his own horn. (laughs) (laughs) I think that for myself, like it really depends. Like, interest wise like i'm going just jets 2.0 because i don't know like i can name like maybe six guys who play for 1.0 um but like interest wise patrick line i would for past patrick line for sure um but for like the sake of the podcast dustin buffler or toby anstrom for sure for sure, oh. for sure just to get a little bit more insight as I'm to what went on there like and then present dylan DeMello. Uh i would love to sit down and talk to that guy i just think that he would be really, really interesting to talk to. I think he'd be really candid and very kind. I think he would really, um, you know, respect me and be nice to me. And I don't care about, there are only a handful of NHL players that I think would actually be kind to me um, if I had to talk to them. And he's one of them. So that's why I pick him. <laughs> Speaking of Patrick Line, I messaged him like the day after he got traded on uh, Instagram to see if he'd come on the podcast. So really, that's so funny. I didn't, he didn't respond. We're still working. We're still working We're on, still that, on our future guest. Oh here. man. <laughs> um, Brian, uh, what about you? Past and present. Past. I, I guess I'm gonna go with Brian Little. Um, he was like the first kind of guy that I really latched onto as like one of my favorite players. Um, yeah, I, I loved watching him play. I was in the stands for his uh, his, the Jets 2.0 first hat trick there um so i was there was, too yeah yeah so that was pretty sweet um 
present, I might have to go with Adam Lowry. I think he's a smart guy. Um, I like the way he reads the game. I think it'd be cool to talk hockey with him, and I hear he's a pretty cool dude. Tell him to stop wearing those damn fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'd be uh, I'd be totally supportive of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even believe it. For past, I didn't say Matthew Perot, but I think I still go with the other ones. But yeah, Perot would be great too. I was weighing like Little or Perot. Does Little count as past still? Like he's still on yeah, the contract. He's... He's, he's done. His, okay. his career is, o- is over. I think that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daniel, what um, uh, that's a tough. It's a tough one for for current. I for sure want to talk to Ehlers. I think he's a very like you know like a easygoing kind of funny kind of guy, and that's you know I think he'd have some interesting things to say for sure. Being like a European player and stuff. Another the option would have been player on the team, the, and the best <laughs> player on the team, maybe even in the league, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, another one I thought it was Hellebuck as well. I think he'd be pretty, uh, pretty fun to talk to. Just you know, I, it's, you know, seeing him playing his whole career in like with the Jets and the Moose and stuff like that. I think that would be pretty, a pretty good interview. Uh for a former former Jet, probably like Dustin Bufflin. I was kind of thinking that was my first thought that came in. I think you know he's just like you know, kind of a little relatable maybe to like actual people a little bit more than some, some uh, athletes are. So I think that would be, that would be a fun, uh, fun guy to talk to. I mean, there's no, I mean, if we're being honest, right, that's the only one that would really matter, but it, it be, mostly because it's so elusive. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That would be the biggest. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't even talk to real, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not backtracking, but that he's just, everything about it like you said list if he could spill some tea like you said you know daniel like he's just a normal dude all of that stuff i mean that's yeah. obviously the goat interview uh, i mean it's sort of like you know who's the best uh hockey player and you know you forget crosby and say you know it's sort of like that but yeah, yeah. that would be obviously if you could get anything out of him even his wife even emily would Anyways, I think that kind of wraps it all up. Um, I hope this kind of covered, I feel like we touched on a lot of different fun things, but also left a little bit of content to do an off-season pre or, or off-season wrap-up kind of thing, just because we didn't touch on the specifics of a lot of the things going on. Um, I will say, before we sign off here, um, the poll is currently at Mark Shifley one for one, would you do it? 55% yes, 45% no. And Hunter says the difference in skill between Eichel and Shifley is made up by the 5 million in cap savings and the injury concerns on Eichel's part. I would definitely say no. And I get it. I do see where they're coming from. But again, I don't think it actually makes up for the skill difference because you don't know how good Jack Eichel is. Like, but I would, I, I wish there was some caveat to that, i.e. the health contract. I guess the point is who's the better player, but I think it will, it will end up being on the jets like that. They wouldn't do it. I bet you it does. Well, face of the franchise can't trade one of those, but exactly, whatever. yeah. Especially <laughs> when they're thirty-seven and can't skate anymore. Yeah. Oh. His name rhymes with <laughs> signing. Then you can trade him. <laughs> Anyways, um, super. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Um, this off season has been very interesting so far. I'm very excited for the season coming up. And um, yeah, as always, 
Make sure you're following us on Twitter so you can stay up to date with some news and also and TikTok and TikTok, guys. I'm really going with that right now. I don't know. It's it's become like a little bit of an obsession. Like I'm I'm really going for it. There's a lot of really great content on there to toot my own horn. Um, yeah, people are meaner on TikTok than they are on Twitter. I'm learning. People now. are all oh, TikTok comments are just. <laughs> insane oh like not just speaking to the jet centric videos but just just (laughs) overall like it's so funny like there was this one where this guy like our argument i he was it's anti-stats people that i argue with sometimes and this guy i was like analytics can be useful tools no one is an expert on anything and his and he was like you're full of shit like you have no idea what you're talking about and i was like me saying no one is an expert on things like i coach and play i think i have a little bit more insight as to what goes on in the nhl than you do how do you have any more i this is what i don't understand we can we could we could just keep going for another 45 minutes how do you figure you have any more insight i drive a car do i have any idea how many red light tickets they give out on on grant and keniston yeah what the yeah. fuck is wrong with people <laughs> no i know it's so it's it's both that's, that's like, right yeah so funny like oh like <laughs> I played junior hockey when I was. So you probably don't know anything about it because all you're doing is what your coach told you when you were six. And that same drunk stepdad is coaching you when you're 15, telling you the same crap. Get it out. You hit it. You know, chip, all this chip it up. Shit, yeah. Chip it out. All the same crap we learned at six years old. And that's what's burned into your head is the stuff you learned when you're six years old. So you think that's what good hockey is. These guys are dumb. I played hockey. I don't know shit about it compared to what you're supposed to know (laughs) yeah and like i just think it's like people are always trying to argue it's like like you know one of my favorite tweets ever is like there's always that one guy on twitter who's arguing with no one it's like and you guys said stiff curry was a bad shooter it's like no one ever said that so people are like you guys said that (laughs) wins above replacement is the only way to evaluate a player it's like no no and if people are like oh stats guys are so arrogant it's like have you ever spoken to a stats guy they're like yeah my model says that this guy is like a hundred percent finishing talent. And like, you know, it's like, they're just they're, like, they're, they're, they're marketing their own product, but like, they know that everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Like they're not stupid. Like your argument know. with anybody that's anti-stat to me is over. As soon as you say, explain the stat and why it doesn't work because they don't even know what they're arguing about. I used to get into it with one of my <laughs> brothers and he didn't even know what course he was, but he thought it was so stupid that we talk about it. And, and it's like, so you don't think shots on go- the team with more shots on goal has a better chance of winning? <laughs> you don't think that? I know. Yeah. That's all it is. And like, I had this one guy come into my comments and he's like, yeah, like, he's like, stats ruin the game. You're watching a guy and you're like, this guy's fun to watch. And, and someone's like, yeah, well, his war is bad. It's like, no, like, it's, it, it doesn't have to necessarily do with watching the game specifically. Like, if you're watching it for entertainment, go ahead. Like, I don't sit there and watch a Jets game and I'm watching. Mason Appleton skating. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why that guy's expected goals are so good. It's like, no, when I'm trying to make my <laughs> exactly. informed, like, it's when I'm trying to make my informed roster decisions. Like, you use them as reference points. They're a tool just as much as your own eyes are. Like, everything can be my- moderation. So it's like, I don't understand why you're so against. And like, people are like, oh, those guys don't know hockey. Get off the spreadsheets. Like, they literally put hours into making a model to help visualize what's going on on the ice. I don't know. You mean they don't know what they're doing? <laughs> my- my favorite basketball player is Russell Westbrook. I have no idea what his fancy stats are. I know I could find them out. I enjoy watching him. If I were to learn 
that he's a negative player, that wouldn't surprise me. So why would I get so mad if somebody put the time in? The time in basketball with plus minus alone won the Toronto Raptors a championship. They realized that DeMar DeRozan was a minus player after three years of getting into their own analytics. Yeah. So we need to trade this guy because he's not, he's helped. He's actually helping us lose, not win. And that's what happened. And it's as simple as he, he scores 27 points a game, but he gives up 35. That's simple. That's all I needed to hear once to get me into analytics was that's all it took was to hear that the Raptors are getting outscored by eight points a game with DeMar DeRozan on the floor. Yeah. Even though he's an all-star that scores 27 points a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. no one's That's saying it. that you can't like DeMar DeRozan. No one's exactly. saying you can't like Josh Morrissey or Seth Jones. Like that can be your favorite player. Sure. But if you're trying to talk about like relative value to other players in the league, or you're trying to like, you just, you're looking at all the information that's available. That's all fancy stats are. It's just more information. Elar, like, Elars is a perfect example. He's the most fun player to watch on our team. I have no act to be honest. I have no idea what, his fancy stats are like uh, right his stats aren't that good but it doesn't change it but it doesn't right but it doesn't no. change anything for me he's no. still the Wait most fun player to watch do you say Ayler's fancy stats weren't that good no his defensive number his, his oh, his oh okay. stats are through the roof but okay. if you look at right. like specifically okay, the defensive ones they're not that good like they're yeah no but that's like most offensive uh offensively, offensively driven guys players. yeah it's like right. most yeah. of them most of them aren't you know above average defense it's not uh, not everyone's it's not common right? most like, like most players are one in the uh, one or the other it's rare that you get Pavel, like a mark Pavel Datsuk. yeah that's yeah, yeah. is like the gold standard for a two-way yeah. forward yeah yeah i just i just don't understand that. again the art you can't see everything you can't even watch one player right you try to watch i, I know we've all done that watch one player for a period or something you can't even do that because of the camera half the time or the play doesn't center around him so there's no way you can see all of it i know we're just preaching the choir because nobody that's listening to us is anti-stat so it's yeah, just a yeah. chance to, to to vent but it just the the arguments that they come up with just just boggle my mind for me i know we've talked about this for three four years on here now my biggest thing is if i think so-and-so is a good player and then I check the fancy stats and they back me up. That makes me feel good about myself. It means I know what I know about See, hockey. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That That's the biggest good. thing for me. Validation, right? That's the right. key. Is the, it makes yeah. me feel good about myself. <laughs> yeah. Like the other thing is like, it's, it's like Corsi. You don't believe in, b believe in Corsi. Okay. What is Corsi? Corsi is just at an even playing field. It has to do with shot attempts. Like that's basically mm. all it is. Those are things that you judge anyway. It's just organized in a way that you can see it, right? That's across yeah. the league, right? So it's like things like expected goals. Like it's not like he's pulling out like oh the gravity on this specific. No, it's stuff that's actually <laughs> it's based on things that you also care about. It's just, it's just said differently. And I will say, I will say, Brianna and I started a thread about it about a year ago. About I will say, analytics guys, especially the guys that the three or four guys that we all follow other than Jay fresh have a very tough time communicating what they're trying to say. I love Garrett. He's the smartest guy in the room. His tweets are almost, you can't read them because he's so he's jumble, mumble, jumbled all of so many things together. And unless you're a rocket scientist. So I get why some people don't appreciate that. It's a lot to understand, right? That's There needs to be, 
a mm-hmm. better way of getting it out there and making it more common for sure. That's do, that like, I'll agree with marketing project on Jay fresh or something like that guy. Like I, his model specifically isn't necessarily my favorite or anything, but he, every time he puts out of his viz, like his cards are so easy to read because they're percentile based. Right. So it's like, if it's 99%, it's high in the league. If it's 1%, like everyone knows that, right. It doesn't, take I like the colors right. and the, the colors. <laughs> And yeah, right. he always puts it out with a little blurb right when something interesting happens. If a guy gets traded, boom, player card is there. You can see it. You're familiar with it, whatever. Like very, very And he thing. qualifies his cards in his yeah. tweet. Yeah. Not what it yeah. means, but what the player generally is. This is a good hockey player that does this. Here's the proof. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He'll say whatever. He's good at the offense, but sucks in defense, essentially, right. or stuff like but that. Then, right. And that's like, and that helps. Myself, yeah. Like I subscribe to his thing. So if it's like, I'll find a guy and then afterwards I'll go look at something that Micah McCurdy tweeted and I'll compare it and I'll say, okay, cause I understand Jay Fresh's. So now that's I'm going right. to compare it to one I understand less or an involving wild RPM chart and whatever. So it's like, yeah, we're really going off on this. Sorry. Just the yeah, it's like, fun. No, we're preaching to the choir. This no is, one who listens to this, this is actually anti stats, especially that has listened for the past uh, eighty minutes. There. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this is when you have to. This is when you have to do the um, tweet at us with the keyword to see if anybody kept listening this far. That's what should the keyword be today? <laughs> well, I should be should be fancy stats, of course. Or no, I think, yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, something. Yeah. No, go ahead, Liz. You're you're. I was going to say you're I think it than be me. Jazz hands. We haven't done a podcast all together since. Um, our Chaz Lucia's draft and the um, <laughs> Chaz, hands. Chaz, Chaz hands. So um, that's the keyword. So if you listen to <laughs> Chaz hands, is the keyword, and we appreciate it. Um, so yeah, this is maybe to nobody at this point, but yeah, we really appreciate all the listens. We um, we have a lot of fun doing this. Um, it's always it's always a fun time to uh, come on here and yell into the void about everything so when uh, when you tweet out the episode you should probably put a little disclaimer you can stop listening at a certain point <laughs> That's and, right. and you won't lose <laughs> any, any part of it <laughs> sure. and, you know unless you want to to dub it when someone starts um you know if you start arguing with someone on twitter just tweeting the videos chris saying i don't fucking get it whatever <laughs> <laughs> okay awesome all right well uh brian daniel chris thank you so much uh for joining me and um we'll be around soon to uh to do some more stuff in the off season and um yeah we are less than like the window is tomorrow you want to get vaxxed um (laughs) if you want to make it to the first preseason game you got to get your first dose tomorrow because we are about what four weeks yep yeah yeah we yeah we're woke right woke uh woke podcast get vaccinated don't be anti-vax keep wearing the science guys just follow stay masked yeah go back follow the science it's very simple see you all at the canada life center in the fall (laughs) (laughs) i'm kurt kielbach and thank you for listening to the jet-centric broadcast